GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. I'm Kyle Reedhead, joined today by my co-host, Raul, and we believe that Web3 is going to change the world, and that's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Today, we're talking about 1 million Layer 2s coming to Ethereum, and you know what? That's not an exaggeration. We truly believe that in the coming decade, there will be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of layer twos, which are all rolling up and settling on Ethereum or whatever the main layer one blockchain is at the time. We believe that this is the proper architecture to have secure, decentralized, and scalable infrastructure for blockchains. And so as the world migrates from the online world to the on-chain world, we believe this is how it's going to happen. So that's what we're talking about today is want to talk about the big news that's happened with Polygon and Arbitrum and a bunch of other Layer 2s over last week, which we touched on in our roll-up last week. But we just wanted to give more insight into this. How's it going to play out? Why it's playing out this way? And what this means for us in the future as builders, as investors, etc. And give you just kind of a clear idea of what this whole Layer 2 ecosystem means and why it's going to exist. So that's the, um, the purpose of, of today's conversation. I hope that you enjoy it. Again, this was recorded on Twitter during a Twitter space, which we do every Monday at 12 p.m. EST. Podcast listeners. I'd love to know what you guys think of these Twitter space content that we've been putting out. It's been about a month now. We've been putting this out every Tuesday for you guys. Do you like this content or not? There's a poll below. Just give us your rating on this specific type of content. Don't think about our roll-up content or our doer spotlight where we interview others. Just our Twitter space content we've been doing for the last month. Please, 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 if you're a listener, just go down and vote and give it a rating there. Let us know in the comments for YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit us up on Twitter, DM us from our newsletter, respond to our newsletter, wherever you can, just let us know your thoughts. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. We hope you like this information. We're trying to keep it more timely for you. And this is a good avenue for us to do that. But enjoy this conversation on Layer 2s. Before we do, take a quick second to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or the profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. What's up, y'all doers? We're seeing signs on chain of the very early stages of a crypto bull run. There's a big wave coming and we want to make sure you're on it. Now's the time to capitalize on the opportunity. How you ask? By starting to practice consistent dollar cost average buys into strong network-based assets like Ethereum and Bitcoin. However, when buying, please make sure to use a trusted exchange. 
Our newest sponsor, ByDeFi, is a reliable exchange that offers you a platform to turn your fiat into crypto. They also offer awesome rewards, allowing you to earn up to $2,800 for completing easy tasks like setting up two-factor authentication and verifying your identity. If you're eager to get into the market, get started with ByDeFi now by visiting ByDeFi.com, that's B-Y-D-F-I.com, or clicking the link in the description below. I hope you can join us in our next Twitter space on Monday at 12 p.m. East. We're going to do this every week. Today, we're going to talk about 1 million Layer 2s coming to Ethereum. Why are we talking about that? Because last week, four new Layer 2s were announced. And last week, there was also an announcement about the ability to create a Layer 2 with just one click. So, Cal, why don't you start us off by telling us about L2s and what's happening in the world now? Yeah, so for those listening, we've talked about L2s for years now here on Web3 Academy. And uh, anyway, we're just always, we're going to continue to talk about them because they are an important piece of infrastructure for Web3. They really came into fruition about September 2021. That was when Arbitrum and Optimism launched. Uh, not the first ones, but really kind of the first general purpose main one. We've seen more and more pop up ever since. We're now probably over like 30 or so that are rolled up onto Ethereum. And so we'll talk about some of the technical components or kind of the why these exist in a little bit. But the reason we're talking about and why it's so important is just last week, we had four new layer twos launched. So Zora Network is one of the new ones. Zora is a tool. So it's just an app that allows you to mint NFTs and they want a more scalable way to do this. So they launched their own layer two in order to do that. Which is pretty cool. We have Polygon who is transitioning their proof of stake network, one of the most used, most active blockchains in history. They have all the big brands, Reddit, Nike, Starbucks, et cetera. And they are moving or transitioning, at least they have a proposal out to transition their proof of stake network into a layer two Ethereum. So they're actually going to change their entire security model of their of their blockchain, which is um, pretty crazy, to be honest, but is rather interesting. We actually had Binance have their first layer two announced. So they've actually just forked the Optimism stack and they're going to have a layer two go on Binance, which is quite interesting. And I think that over the coming weeks, months, and honestly, probably years to decade, this is going to be the norm. I think every week moving forward, we're going to see layer twos. And I think that might be a bit confusing to a lot of people here. We have our return. We have optimism. Why do we need all of these layer twos? And so that's kind of what the discussion is going to be about today and help people wrap their heads around why this matters. And then if you're building, if you're investing, what this means for you. And then the kind of final reason why we've hit this inflection point where layer twos will just, there'll be so many of them is because... Arbitrum released last week that they have launched their sort of version of like the OP stack. So Optimism has their own stack where people can create their own layer two using their tech. That's what Base did. So that's Coinbase's L2. That's what Zora has done. Arbitrum just launched theirs. And theirs is literally a one click, one click to launch your own layer two on top of Ethereum. It's pretty unbelievable. You literally just put in your name, the address, et cetera. And then boom, admit, you could, I want to just use the word admits you at layer two which is kind of mind-blowing. It's taking years to create this technology, and now it's to the point where it's like one click and anyone can do it. We saw a tweet from um, Nader Dabit, who's one of the developers at Lens Protocol. We had him on the podcast. He actually did what he called the chain D's Nuts. So there's now a layer two on Ethereum called D's Nuts chain. <laughs> and I mean, that was just for fun. I don't think he's going to build much on there, but we'll see. But the key point here is it's becoming that easy to launch a layer two. And so... I think what we're going to see is just continuous, continuous adoption of these layer twos in terms of like users and applications, but also in terms of new layer twos. And so I want to make sure that everyone's just kind of aware of why we're going to do that. So that's just a quick kind of intro on the, on the headline news that's happened over the last week and then why we're touching on this. Raul, I'm not sure what direction you want to take here after that. 
I want to ask you why. It's great to see like all these L2s launching. You know, we, we see people building, we see teams shipping and stuff, but why do we need all of them? And maybe you can take a step back and kind of talk about what layer twos are and which problems they solve. But why do we need so many? Yeah, for sure. So a layer two, you can think of as just another blockchain, but it doesn't have its own security. It uses a, a layer one blockchain for its security. So when we think about the way that blockchain works. So blockchain, of course, is basically it's selling block space, right? Block space is important because instead of having a centralized database to make, whether that's transactions, whether that's to store data, to do whatever it is, Right now, without blockchain, you have to do that in sort of like a centralized database. You need permission to do it. And so what blockchain allows is sort of a permissionless global way of storing data, exchanging value, et cetera. Okay. So we believe that that's going to be a very important thing. We see, you know, that's where NFTs come from, the stokers come from, all that exists because of a block space. So it's a very important product, block space. Now, block space itself and the blockchain that enables that has some, uh, what's called the blockchain trilemma. So in order for block space to exist, we need security, right? So that people can't just hack it. If you could hack this block space, it'd be useless, right? And so there's no point in it if we don't have that. To help with security, you need something called decentralization. This is to ensure that things remain permissionless and you can't get rugged, okay? Also very important. One of the big problems with Web2 tech with databases is that you can get rugged on normal databases. So decentralization is a key component to have what we call unruggable technology. And then, of course, you need scalability. If you can do this only for a few transactions a second, well, that's pretty useless, right? We think that storing data on the internet and having transactions that are permissionless on the internet and creating applications that are permissionless on the internet is a very important thing. And we want millions of people to do this, billions of people to do this. If we don't have scalable blockchains, then this is all for nothing anyway. And so a blockchain needs to be secure. It needs to be decentralized and it needs to be scalable. The problem is, is that the more scalable the blockchain gets, typically the less decentralized and the less secure it is. So there's sort of some like bandwidth type issues in these three things. And so what this has been called is the blockchain trilemma, right? The more decentralized something is just by nature, decentralization typically means slower, right? Less scalable. That's what decentralization is at its root. It's more secure. It's harder to get hacked, but ultimately as a result of that, it becomes less scalable. And so there's this trilemma between the three. And so how do we sort of make these chains have all three of them, right? That's kind of the key thing we've been trying to figure out for the last like 10 years, basically. Now there's different ways to do this. Solana is trying to accomplish it all in one. But again, they are very scalable, but not necessarily decentralized, not at least to the point of something like Bitcoin and Ethereum. The way that Ethereum has decided to do this is using what's called layer ones and layer twos. Layer one is, hey, let's make a blockchain that's not scalable at all, but it's very secure and very decentralized. And then what we can do is create other blockchains, which will inherit or use that security, and they don't need their own security. So they can focus solely on scalability because they're actually going to roll up all their transactions and settle them on Ethereum on the layer one. And so they don't need to worry about the decentralization factor and the security factor because Ethereum can take and handle that. They can focus on scalability. And then the layer one in Ethereum's case doesn't need to worry about scalability and they can focus on security and decentralization. So they focus on certain parts of this trilemma. That's essentially what a layer two does. Now, why do we need them? Well, because Ethereum has nailed the whole secure and decentralization aspect of smart contract blockchains. We've got that figured out but it's not super simple, right? Every time we have a bull run, fees go crazy. I think it's about 16 transactions per second is all it facilitates. To give you some context here, Visa does 100,000 transactions per second. Ethereum is 16. If we want to be the settlement layer of the world, we want to 
I put all financial transactions and value on blockchain, 16 transactions per second is just not going to do it. So this is why we need layer twos. We need layer twos because we need technologies that can focus on scalability and get hundreds of thousands of transactions per second and be cheap, right? Be next to nothing in order for those transactions to exist. And so that's sort of what L2s enable. But we also, again, we need scalability, but we need that with decentralization. That's why the L1, L2 kind of combo, the duo we can call that, is so key. Solana is probably the closest other chain to nail all three of these in one. But again, so far, they're not fully decentralized. They go down a lot. And to be honest, it's scalable in the sense that it can do maybe 100 to 200,000 transactions per second. But you know what? That's actually not going to be enough, right? If we want everything to move on chain, then we need more than 100,000 transactions per second or 200,000. I mean, I don't know how Solana gets any more than what it already is, especially if they're also trying to get more decentralized. So this trilemma continues to exist no matter what. That's why we need L2s. Right. And why do you need the answer there? No, I, I think you answered well. And I think you touched on a point that I want to touch on in a second. But I think it's very interesting that fact, like how it works is that like an L2 just focuses on scalability while borrowing security from Ethereum. I think that's like, I don't know how to better explain that, but it's like fascinating how that works. One more thing to add actually before you do your next thing, Raul, is the other thing you need to think about in blockchains is it's also business, right? Blockchains sell blockchain space and their expenses are security right? They have to pay the validators to secure the network, right? They can do that through inflation. They can do it through giving some of the fees of gas over to those validators. Whatever it is, they need to pay those expenses. And these validators need to be profitable in order for them to actually want to come and help secure that network. When you look at blockchains that are super scalable, that have fees that are down to basically nothing, they don't make any money, which means they don't have any money to pay the validators, which means why would someone want to validate that network? Right now, Solana, people validate that network right now. Why? Because they are inflating their currency to basically subsidize those payments. If they got rid of that inflation, which you need to at some point, otherwise, what's the point here, right? If you're just inflating away your token, at some point, they're going to need to be able to afford their security. Right now, they can't. They're very far away from it. No blockchain can currently afford their security. Ethereum is the only one that can because it has high fees. Now, I know that high fees suck for most people. That's why layer twos exist. That's why when you have both, you can create a profitable business that can afford its security for its block space while still giving a product that is usable for millions, billions of customers around the world, right? So you also got to think of that aspect of it too. And I think a lot of people kind of miss that point when it comes to blockchain economics. Right. Great explanation. I just have a question specifically about Ethereum. I know there is an upgrade coming up called Protodyne Sharding. And it's an EIP 4844. And this promises to make Ethereum go to 100,000 transactions. Now, you said that those aren't enough, but it will make a big improvement. Is that not enough? And if that upgrade happens or way it happens, will that make L2s not useful anymore? Yeah. So one of the things Ethereum is trying to do is make its base layer. So Ethereum L1 more scalable. And it's doing that through what you said is proto-dank sharing. I won't get into the technicalities of what that is because to be quite frank, I don't even completely understand them. But essentially, it's going to shard the blockchain so that it becomes extremely more scalable. And so, yes, it'll be very cheap on the L1 for the foreseeable future. I don't know when Protodank Sharding will fully come to light. Like It's still going to take some time for it to fully be in. I don't think the upgrade that happens in, I think it's like October, November, is the full sort of... Yeah, it's not a full one. Yeah, it's not the full one, but it's part of it. And so, anyway, look, that's a good thing because even as Ethereum gets more busy and its L2s get more busy, we still need to find ways to bring costs down on the L1 so that costs will go down on the L2s as well, right? 
if the L2s are paying the L1 for security, well, we got to make sure L1's not too expensive still, right? So that's what they're trying to do now is upgrade Ethereum with prototype sharding. Does that make L2s kind of useless when that goes? I've actually had a, a founder I was talking to last week who suggested this. And the reason he suggested this is he said, well, Ethereum will go like 100,000 transactions per second, if not more. So that's more than Visa, right? So do we really need more? And my thought on that was, well, okay, that's enough for financial transactions, like what Visa does. But we got to remember that blockchain is doing a lot more than just financial stuff, right? Blockchain is also going to be the new, let's call it database. And I do that with quotations. You can't see me, but I'm doing that. It's not a database, but it's going to be the new way that we have social media. They're all going to live on chain, right? All of our content, if you see Lens Protocol, Farcaster, the content is now tokenized, right? It is all NFTs. Our accounts, our identity will on chain. And so it's more than just financial transactions that are happening on chain. And I think a lot of people haven't wrapped their head around that. So if 100,000 per second is enough for financial transactions, what about all the social media transactions and communication and identity and tickets and gaming stuff? And you know what I mean? Like the list goes on every industry and coming on chain. How do we know that? That means we're going to need millions of transactions per second, right? Which means that we need probably thousands to tens of thousands to probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of layer twos, all plugging into Ethereum or whatever L1, doesn't really matter. I'm not ETH Moxie. They're just the farthest along right now, all plugging into that. But even that, in that case, the layer one still needs to find ways to get a little bit more scalable as much as it can to again, enable a million layer twos to be able to settle transactions. So we need to think more exponential. We don't need to be two times better than Visa, right? We need to be a hundred times better than Visa, right? While also being decentralized and secure, right? So there's no point in making a centralized blockchain that does a hundred thousand transactions per second. We already have that in Visa, right? Not on blockchain, but if it's centralized, then it's basically the same thing. So we need not just a decentralized version of what Visa does, but then we also need it a hundred X more scalable than that too, right? So that's an insanely difficult technological feat for that to occur. And right now, at least to the research, the old way that we know to do this is with the layer one, layer two combo. So I think there will always be need for L2s. The good news about this upgrade coming at the end of the year is L2s still aren't the cheapest things in the world, right? There's still like maybe a couple cents to do a transaction, which like for us, degening and playing around early on, that's fine. But remember, most applications will likely cover these fees for their users. And so we won't even think about using gas when we're working on chain. And so in order for a company to manage millions of transactions for their millions of users when this stuff goes mainstream, we need transaction fees to be like 0.0001 cents, right? And so again, that's what layer twos will enable with having more upgrades to the L1 as well. So we need Ethereum to become more scalable. We also need L2s to become more scalable and more abundant, more of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think the comparison with Visa is um, super significant because they have all this competition with MasterCard, especially, and all other financial uh, you know, settlement e uh, companies. And we're not only competing with both MasterCard and Visa, we're also competing with everything else that's happening on the internet. Not we, I mean Ethereum right now. So I think that's where 1 million layer twos come into question. So I wanted to ask you a question. I had this prediction at the beginning of the year that a couple of layer one blockchains will pivot to scale Ethereum instead of creating their own kind of like closed ecosystems. So we've already seen Polygon make this move. Obviously, they weren't a layer one necessarily. They were a proof of stake sidechain. They were still kind of scaling Ethereum, but not really. Do you think we should ex expect more 
blockchains to pivot in the next years? It's a good question. I would say probably. Let's say, why would they do this? First of all, like when we look at, we said Binance just has their first layer two. Ethereum now has, I don't know, 35 plus layer twos. Why are they all going to Ethereum? And then why did one go to Binance? Well, if you're going to build a layer two, it means that whatever you roll your transaction up on, you need to really trust that layer one, right? Remember, this is a tech stack thing. If you're going to build technology on top of something, you better hope that it never shuts down and it always works and it continues forever. This is why people don't build on top of Twitter because Twitter already rugged a bunch of companies like 10 years ago when they removed their API. This is why companies are afraid to build on top of Facebook, right? Because they can they control all the rules and they can shut everything down if they wanted to. That reason Twitter banned my account. To, yeah, Twitter banned your account. You don't even want to use it. So think of blockchains like real estate, right? Just like if you were to open up a physical business with a location somewhere, where would you do it? Would you want to do it in North Korea? Probably not, right? One, they wouldn't let you. Two, there's probably not a lot of users there. Three, you don't know what is going to happen with the rules. Would you want to build it in Russia? Absolutely not, right? The rules just changed and all of a sudden they're going to war and there's all these problems and there's sanctions. Like, it's not a stable place that you want to have a build your business in, right? But would you want to do it in the US? Look, I don't know, forget the politics of the US, for example, but the US has always been known as kind of like a free country with very good rules for citizens, very good rules for businesses. And so it's a good place to build a business that you know typically is not going to go rogue, right? Now, who knows? At some point they might, but for at least in the last hundred years, it's been a great place to build a business, right? So when you're building a layer two, or and remember, applications themselves can be their own layer twos, like we just saw with Zora, they want to make sure that their app is being built on top of a piece of technology that's going to exist for forever. And so you might not want to do that on a brand new blockchain like, I don't know, Sui, or like I don't even know what some of these are, right? Like on Ter- imagine you built on Terra Luna, right? Exactly. Your business is gone because you built in the North Korea of blockchains, right? Or whatever. And so again, you need to think of, well, if you're a layer two or you're an app, you want to build on something that is decentralized and secure. And right now, the number one blockchain for that is Ethereum, right? So that's the place that you want to do that. Most are not going to go to Binance. The L2 we just saw on Binance is Binance. They did that themselves, right? I don't think you'll get many businesses that go and do that on Binance when you can do it on Ethereum. So that's sort of like, if you're thinking about where they're going to go and why they're going to do it, it would be there. Now, why would another L1 move over and do it, you know, turn into like an L2? Well, the reason would be to be an L1, like I said, in terms of the economics, it's very difficult to be a profitable L1, right? Every other blockchain in the world that exists right now, including Polygon, even though they have so many users, they had to inflate their currency to pay for their security. They had to pay for their validators, which means that they're inflating their token. In Polygon's instance, that's Matic, Solana, it's Sol. Avalanche, it's AVAX, whatever. They're all inflating their currency in order to fund and their security. And that can't last for forever. It does fine during a bull market, right? People will still buy the token. They don't care. But long-term, you can't continue to inflate the currency. That's why crypto exists, actually, because fiat currencies are inflating away. And so you need to have a token that can secure the network that is not being inflated. And that's very, very difficult to do. You know, Ethereum has managed that after seven years. Other blockchains will likely manage it too. I think Solana reaches this at some point. So I don't think Solana rolls up onto Ethereum, but other blockchains probably aren't going to get that, right? It's going to be very difficult. And it, it's a technological feat that is insane. It is a 
tokenomic feat that is very difficult. There's a lot that needs to come together. Whereas if you just don't do that and instead you roll up on a, onto a layer one, you don't have to worry about security anymore, right? You don't, you don't even need a token. And so it makes the product of L2s a much, or the business of L2s a much easier business model. Because again, you don't have to figure out the whole security aspect of it. And so I think there will be some L1s. I don't know any names right now, so I won't name any. That will move because if they don't, then they don't have a business, right? And so I think they will. And I also think that less blockchains will get made now. I think most people will just make L2s from the beginning. So back in the last run, the last cycle, there were so many L1s that were launching. And I was like, do we really need this many blockchains? And it's like, yeah, we do, but probably not this many layer ones. But it was because it was hard to make a layer two four years ago. And so people just made L1s. But now it's very easy to make an L2. And it's already like we've shown proof of concept with Arbitrum Natos and now all the other ones that are coming out. So I think we've reached a point where most people just won't start layer ones anymore. They'll just they'll just go straight to layer twos. But for the layer ones that do exist, probably some of them will will convert over. But no one's ever done that. So also that's not easy to do. And so we'll see. Polygon's going to be the first. It should happen by Q1 of 2024. Yeah. And they'll kind of write, write the playbook on how to do that. And so we'll see. I bet you after that, people will go, okay, now we know how to do it. We know it's possible. Then I think some will follow suit. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about Polygon 2.0, we have a newsletter that was released on Friday. You can go check that out. We tell you all about, about it there. That's it for me, Carl. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, no, I think the, the main thing is we've talked a lot about Layer 2s. And so I know our audience and our listeners are aware of Layer 2s and they get it. I think what a lot of people have not wrapped their head around yet is let there's going to be millions of layer twos, which is why we titled this that. Again, as billions of people come on this to on-chain and there's millions of applications and use cases, we need that scalability. And I think that's going to come from the layer two ecosystem. And there's going to be many different types. There'll be general purpose ones like Arbitrum and Optimism. There will be app-specific ones like DYDX, like what Zora just launched. And so they will serve many purposes across many industries for many different things, but I think it'll be very common for apps to launch as a layer two and very common just for layer twos in general to come out. So expect this to be the new norm moving forward after this past week. I think that's kind of why we're having this conversation is it's going to be very, now how's that going to look? It's going to be weird, right? Right now it sucks bridging from one layer two to another. So we're going to need technology to fix that. This is where like cryptographic bridges come in, like hop, like connects. There's going to be new UXs needed in wallets. So like for a business idea, for those that are looking to start companies, you should be thinking about this layer two ecosystem. How do we better service these like users that are going to be moving from one layer two to another, right? Whether it's app specific or general purpose, this is the way that this is where the real estate is heading. How can we build infrastructure for that new kind of dynamic? So it's something to be thinking about. If you're looking to start a business, whether it's an app or a piece of infrastructure, this is the next kind of venture for this space. And so we need to start solving the UX problems that come from having a million layer twos. So there will be tons of new technology that comes as a result of this, which is great. We're still super, super early and um, we're just continuing to build things out as we go. That's what's on my mind anyway at the moment. Great. Thanks so much, Kyle. For the podcast listeners, of course, you're a little bit too late, but you can always join us at 12 p.m. EST on Mondays. We do these weekly, and uh, so you're always welcome to join us. Come in and ask any questions. Sweet. 
Kyle, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Have a good Monday. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.